you're just funny. It's you know the way you tell the story and everything. Funny how. Come here, come here, though. Yeah, he's crazy, Jake. Who are you? Right. Greetings, Earthlings. Uh, how is everybody? It has been, as we know, uh, oof, I'm still kind of sore, uh, quite some time since I've done a uh, podcast. So hopefully you have not unsubscribed. And if you haven't subscribed, be sure to do so. It's free. doesn't cost anything. It just means you'll get updated every time there's a new podcast. I usually do one per week, sometimes two a week, but unfortunately... As some of you may know, which is kind of what this podcast is about, this week um, is uh, I just got out of the hospital about a week ago, and uh, I had um, some lung surgery, <laughs> as if that's like a normal thing, but I had um, about a third of my right lung uh, removed because they found a tumor in my lung. Yeah, it was kind of kind of crazy, and uh, you know, I like to think I'm a, a pretty healthy person. In fact, I have a podcast about just that. So uh, I wanted to kind of talk about that and keep you guys updated because I've done a few podcasts, even one from the hospital when they didn't know what it was. So check out uh, a few episodes ago where I did that, so you can kind of follow the journey if you haven't already. Just kind of you know give you a, a quick cliff notes of the situation. So we, I didn't really know what happened. You know, I've I've been documenting it because. You know, at the time, I didn't know what it was. Uh, about first week of December, it was like December 6th or 9th or something like that, I started having some high fevers and some symptoms. So as we know, what's the first thing that pops in our head nowadays? You got to have the Rona, right? Maybe it's the Delta or the Omni. Who knows? But you, you got to get tested. And I was like, eh, there's no way. I, I, it's been two years. I haven't had COVID. I'm probably not going to get it. I like to think I'm pretty healthy. I take care of my body. Um, so I don't have COVID. So... I let it, I powered through it, right? I just thought it was the flu for a couple of days and I was getting 102 degree fever and I couldn't break it. I mean, Theraflu, NyQuil, Tylenol, nothing I could do, rest, nothing I could do was, was breaking this thing. So after about three, four days, I went to urgent care, uh, got tested. Um, but at the same time, I wanted them to, you know, take a look because I was having these fevers, uh, chest pains, really bad cough. I mean, it was like really bad. It's, uh, I've, I've never had a cough that bad. And, uh, they ended up doing an x-ray and they found kind of like a shadowy thing in my lung. And they're like, how old are you? And I go 36 and I go, okay. And, uh, and they said, it's gotta be pneumonia. Here's some antibiotics. Take these for a week and you'll be good. Oh, great. So I go back home and I took those for about a week. Uh, it was probably closer to five days and my cough was actually getting worse. It was not improving. And I was still having fevers, even with the antibiotics. And I was like, something's up. So I go back to urgent care. They do another x-ray. And they compare the two x-rays from a week ago. And that little dark shadowy thing got bigger. And they go, well, that's not pneumonia. So like, you need to go to the ER right away. And they admitted me to the ER immediately after that. Uh, in which case, they ordered a CT scan, which that's obviously a lot more, more detailed than an x-ray. CT scan, they give you the contrast through the IV. It's kind of like this warm, tingly stuff goes through your whole body and it kind of gives like a glow-in-the-dark effect essentially of, of everything that's going on. And uh, after that, turns out they found a tumor. It's not a tumor, but it was a tumor. And uh, 
I still feel kind of like shit, but I want to do a podcast. Um, but they found a doomer, uh, a doomer. They found a tumor, and uh, you know they're like, listen, I mean, you know, you can get uh, a couple things, you know, done here, but I think we need to do a biopsy, and we need to get in there and figure out if it's cancerous or not. So once they found the tumor through the CT scan, they ended up uh, doing a uh, bronchoscopy, and uh, that's when they do the tube. Um, through, you know, the lung and they went to the lung and uh, one of these doctors at the hospital just kind of did a little, a little scrape, nothing crazy, just to see what's up with it and see where it's located. Turns out came back. It's benign, uh, as far as they know. So that's exciting. Uh, but they wanted me to see a specialist. So weeks later, again, my cough and symptoms, nothing's changed. I'm still feeling like an ass. I'm, I'm still having all these symptoms. And then they gave me the surgeon shout out to Dr. Waxman. Uh, he's one of the best in in Tampa. So, so they say, uh, so, you know, Google says, I don't know if it's accurate, but shout out Dr. Waxman, but I went to go see him and he wanted to do another bronchoscopy. Reason being is he wanted to do, um, uh, I believe it's called a needle thread aspiration. I'm, I'm not sure what that's, if that's accurate, but he wanted to do a deeper dive into the lung essentially and go deeper than what the other doctor did. And even though he saw the records, the doctor was like, listen, I haven't been inside your lung. I could go off a picture, but I don't want to go off a picture. I was like, fuck, okay. And again, this is we're going weeks now of dealing with this shit. So I think now we're at like mid-January at this point, a month of having these symptoms. And uh, then they're like, okay, now I know what it is. The tumor is actually getting bigger. And they found out that it was kind of like branching off into other lobes of my lung. So he goes, my personal opinion we got to remove this portion of your lung. Um, it's a very common procedure, removing lungs. Uh, you know, there's some people that have one lung and uh, and live a normal, healthy life. It's almost like just having that second lung is more like a backup, which is always good. You know, so it, of course it's a little terrifying at this point, right? I'm bawling like a baby. You know, so is my wife. We're like, what the fuck's going on? Like, why is this happening? This doesn't make any sense, especially because it was benign, so you know, what's the reason you grow a tumor uh, or a little concerning rather. I, I made a decision to, you know, and of course the wife agreed with me and we talked about it, but I, I wanted to get it removed, even though I knew it was going to be a long recovery process. And, you know, the uh, recovery itself just sucks. We'll get into that in a sec, but uh, I ended up getting um, that portion of the line removed um, the first week of February. So, um, once that got removed, uh, you know, they, they put you under completely, obviously, and they made six incisions in my side and uh, went in there with some, you know, high-tech robo stuff and, you know, th th did a little snip-snip and uh, pulled out the tumor and the portion of the lung. And uh, then they put me in the hospital. I was in the hospital for almost a week, and I had a tube coming out of my side. It was a chest tube. Uh, which still, that area also hurts. That's one of the incisions. But that chest tube essentially just kind of drains all the excess goo and gunk um, that's around that portion of the lung. So it'll the lung could actually heal itself and it closes up. So once there was no air essentially coming out of that tube, that's how we know I, I could leave the hospital. So that took about almost four days, five days. And that was brutal. Let me tell you what, I, I don't know if anybody out there has had a chest tube, but 
not only is it the most uncomfortable things, obviously, as you can imagine, but um, having something coming out of your body, it, it, it hurts as much as you think it would. Because even on pain meds and, you know, them numbing my nerves, you know, because when they're in there doing surgery, they numb the nerves that's in there. But just having that in your body, it's very, here's a great example. Everybody's probably got the COVID test, right? Okay. You could feel the Q-tip going up your nose, right? You could feel it. You don't feel it like on the outer part of your nose. You feel it inside, like in your brain. That's how this chest tube felt in my lungs. It was the most uncomfortable thing I've ever experienced. It was brutal. Um, I hope no one has to go through that. Not even my worst enemy would I put that into. And to top it off, you know, they give you morphine, obviously. They give me a morphine button, which, okay, that's great. But it only lasts like 30 minutes or 40 minutes. And you can only have it every couple hours. So it's not like it's, you know, constant friggin', oh, man, it's the greatest thing ever. No, it's not like that at all. It's it's only good for a few minutes when you pass out and uh, you don't feel the pain and then you wake up and you come to. So um, that was brutal. And then them pulling it out, not to gross you out, but finally they got me approved to get it yanked out. And, um, you know, the the uh, doctor's assistant, the surgeon's assistant comes in. Surgeon says comes in. She's like, okay, you know, hey, we're... Uh, we're ready. There's a lot of progress. Here we are five days later, yada, yada, yada. I think it's ready to come out now. Are you ready? And I go, well, what does it consist of? So she does, does all this prepping with me, right? And <laughs> she's like, okay, so because it's in your lung, we have to be careful when we pull it out, right? We don't want you to inhale as we're pulling it out because then you're sucking in air. You need to exhale and hold it. There needs to be no expansion of the lung. And uh, again, I'm hopped up on morphine. She's trying to fucking walk me through how to change a tire, essentially, is what's happening here. But uh, she goes, okay, so all I want you to do is I'm going to count to three. I'm going to go one, two, three. When I do that, I need you to take a deep breath in, take a, take a deep breath out, and then once you push it out, I need you to hold it. So don't breathe. So it's one, two, three. <sighs> You're going to hold it for five seconds. And I was like, wait, what? Okay, hold on. So when are you going to yank it? And she goes, when you're holding it. Only breathe when I tell you to. It'll be after I yank it out. And I go, oh, my God. So she goes, we're going to do a practice run, okay? <laughs> so, And if you've ever done this to somebody and you go, we're going to do a practice run, the only thing that was going through my head was, okay, so on three, she's going to yank it. She, this is not a practice run. This is the real thing. And of course, I'm high at this point on morphine. So, so I'm like, okay, she's going to yank it. It's fine. So I wanted to make sure it was like the perfect practice run. Okay. <laughs> Quote, unquote, practice run. But in my head, I was like, this is the real thing. So she counts. She goes, one, two, three. okay, good job. Are you really ready to do it? And I was like, oh my God, we actually have to do it. Like I thought it was done already. So she, it was a legit practice run. So kudos on her for not lying to me. I would have lied if I was her. But anyway, so I was like, okay, let's do it again. So then of course we do the whole thing. She yanks it out. And let me tell you what, what a relief 
to have that thing out. It was still massive amounts of pain, but imagine every time I was breathing, through your lungs or not, doesn't matter. You could feel a tube just kind of like shaking around in your lung. It was, ugh, it was just brutal. So once they took that out, then she uh, sealed up my um, my holes in my uh, in my side, and uh, now I, I think I have like six or seven incisions. I think it's six six incisions. Some from the robot uh, when they went in to do the uh, removal of the tumor, and then the other was from the chest tube afterwards. They're like, okay, well, now you're good. Now it's just you got to take it easy. You know, we can send you home, but <clears throat> we can send you home, but, you know, you just got to take it easy, right? Because uh, your lungs are still healing, or your lung, rather, is still healing. So that day, uh, about six hours later, is, is when I got out. And I got to tell you, I mean, it was a little disappointing when uh, they did send you out because... I knew what they were going to do. Um, they were going to send me home with some oxys and some painkillers. And, of course, I asked for alternate treatment, but like some cannabis or, you know, shrooms or something like that. But, uh, yeah, no success there. And it's even more crazy because I'm, I'm watching the show Dope Sick on Hulu. It's with my man Michael Keaton. Really good show. It actually talks about the um, epidemic that's going on with the opioid crisis and how it started in the 90s um, with Oxycontin. So I definitely recommend you watch that. But as I'm, you know, I'm, I'm watching the show before I went to the hospital, and then, of course, they give me these oxys, which it's really, it's Percocet, so it's half oxy, half Tylenol, essentially is what it is, but still, uh, it could be very addicting. So I'm, I've chosen not to take those. Um, I had to take it the first couple of days, uh, especially to sleep, but they they ask you to take it every four hours. It's like, bro. Fucking serious? Every four hours? It's madness. Take me a whole bottle of it. No big deal. Just the number one most addicting drug in the world. Take a whole bottle. But you know, that's not the fault of the doctors. That's just what can what's getting pushed in the medical community. It's just so funny how uh, you know, that gets pushed and there's just other ultimate alternate treatments out there, not just for this type of surgery, but any surgery and um any disease. You know, all these viruses that are going around, there's there's a lot of alternate treatments for it, not necessarily when you're in the hospital, but pre-treatments. And it's, it's just so funny that, uh, you know, Big Pharma has everything on lockdown to where you can't even get alternate treatments if you wanted to. You're forced to do this. There's no, you know, no reason why, uh, why you shouldn't get addicted. I mean, of course you're going to get addicted to it. In the past, some very bad uh, situations in my life that has, you know, caused me to get addicted to a lot of different stuff. So I've learned to control it and learn what I have to do to not get addicted to it. Uh, one of those things is, you know, obviously what I'm talking about, which is not taking it. And then even when I do have to take it, like if I take it at night, I only take half of what they prescribe. Um, so it's really a half of a half because it's, uh, it's Percocet. So it's half Oxy, half Tylenol. So I'm really taking a half of a half. But I choose to do that because I don't want my body to get immune to it, right? Because once it gets immune to it and it needs it and it craves it, once you get off of it, then you go through withdrawal symptoms. And this is how people get addicted to it. So, But this is all just me learning from my mistakes in the past. Not everybody has that benefit uh, to this stuff. So, you know, that was a little, a little unnerving because I knew pain was going to be rough. And sure as fuck. A week later, I'm doing uh, I'm doing a little better. I'm still extremely sore, but the first couple of days, my lungs were, you know, even now. Sorry if you can hear it, but even now, it's it's hard to, you know, talk for a long period of time. 
because just a lot of work for my lungs. So I've been doing these exercises with my lungs and trying to strengthen my lung back up, especially my right one, because, you know, it's been for two, three weeks. Not only has it been through the ringer, but um, it's just not as strong as what it used to be, right? So my body has to get used to and adapt to this new um, amount of air that's that's in these two lungs. You know, but I kind of wanted to share that with you guys because I think whether it's lung surgery or leg surgery or whatever, you know, the uh, the human body is just an amazing thing. And I I don't know if we sit back and really think about what our bodies are capable of. Um, you know, not just something like a recovery like this because, you know, we think about it, they took a chunk of my lung, it healed up on its own, right? They didn't have to stitch it up. The way the lung works is like a sponge. Once you, you know, if you cut off a portion of it, the other portion just kind of merges together. And I'm obviously butchering that for any of those college students out there that are going to med school. I, I'm sure I didn't use the technical term, but that's essentially what happens as it closes back up. And that's what that chest tube was for. They wanted to make sure it closed properly. So the bodies is, is just an amazing thing. And it can evolve. And, you know, when you talk about the recovery process, you know, it, now it's going to adapt. Now my lung is going to adapt to this new way of life. But as I was like researching and just kind of messing around on the internet uh, while I was stuck away in the hospital, um, I, I came across uh, some interesting folks in uh, Southeast Asia. And uh, I read this article um, talking about the Bayou people. And I don't know if I'm pronouncing it the right way, but it's B-A-J-A-U. But the Bayou of Southeast Asia, um, that group of people have spleens that are 50% larger larger, excuse me, than normal. Um, this allows them to spend eight hours a day underwater catching octopus and other fish. Because they've spent so many years, you know, generation after generation of... Um, of living in this habitat and diving and, you know, uh, using their hands and going underneath the water and hold their breath. Generationally, they become to evolve to where their spleens are actually bigger and uh, their bodies are different than than people in New York. You know what I mean? Um, there's, a, there's a cool article. I'll leave it in the description below if you want to check it out. But researcher Melissa Ann Arlo, Arlado uh, was in Thailand studying coral geonomics when she heard about nomadic sea people living in Southeast Asia, the Baju people, uh, who live in wooden boats off the coast of Indonesia, Malaysia, and the Philippines. They spend 60% of their time, about eight hours a day, underwater. They catch fish and octopus with their bare hands while walking onto the ocean floor 200 feet below the surface. They do it all practically with no diving equipment. They're almost like sea creatures. Uh, it's a pretty cool article. Uh, definitely check it out. Again, I'll leave the link in the description. But uh, I wanted to just kind of talk about that. And I think, again, it's called uh, uh, Baiju people. Uh, I might be pronouncing that. Sorry. It, it's so interesting how our bodies are able to evolve and adapt and to change with uh, such dramatic shit that happens to us. And, you know, you kind of look at, like, where we've come from, the human race, to where we are now. It's kind of terrifying that we're not really treating our bodies the way we should. We're not treating them like the vehicle that gets us from point A to point B. And while I was in the hospital, while I was dealing with that, the only thing I could really think about is I treat my body very good. Um, you know, I, I eat healthy. I, I work out almost every day. Uh, I walk. I have a standing desk, so I'm not sitting on my ass for six, seven hours during work. 
uh, even some podcasts I do standing. But I treat my body very well. And I think that's why I'm able to kind of, you know, even though I'm a little bit out of breath and I'm really, really sore uh, on the side and these wounds are killing me. But I, th- I think that's why I'm able a week later to do this podcast and have this conversation with you is because I do treat my body well. And I don't treat it like an amusement park. I used to. I did. And I think if this happened to me when I was 18 or 20, I wouldn't be in this situation because I did treat my body like an amusement park and I didn't care about it. Even though I was working out, but I was doing other things that would really affect my my recovery process. So the reason I wanted to bring that up to you is I think you should really take a hard look at what you're doing on a daily basis. And I hate to say it, but it kind of scared me a little bit with this, but prepare yourself that something like this might happen to you. Maybe it's not a tumor in the lung. Maybe it's not, um, you know, cancer. Maybe it's not COVID, but it could be. And how you're treating your body now will determine how your body is able to recover from some type of chronic disease or illness or virus. You got to think about that type of stuff. You know, similar to how what you're doing for work and you get that paycheck, you don't spend that entire paycheck right away, do you? You pay bills and you take care of your spouse. You save money a little bit. Maybe you invest it. Like you're not doing it for now. Like you're not saving money to go shopping this weekend. You're probably saving money for five years from now, 10 years from now, whatever. Well, your body, you need to treat your body the same way. What you're doing today is going to help you in five years, 10 years, and so on. You got to save that. You got to save the time and the energy. And, you know, that's why smoking cigarettes takes time off your lungs. You know, eating shitty food and drinking all the time, that's not a good investment. You know, you only have one liver. You're going to go through that. It's Everything's got a shelf life. That's how I look at it. But the better you treat your body, the longer it's going to last. So you have to think to yourself, would you rather have 60 really good years of doing whatever the fuck you want to do? Or would you rather have 70, 80, 90 years? And, you know, a lot of people, when they when they hear that, they go, well... 90 years, man, I don't want to live to all 90. I think you need to do your research because our perception of what 90 is, is you're miserable and your bones hurt and you're coughing. And, you know, that's not 90. If you treat your body well for 90 years, when you're 90, you're going to be like a Betty White. You're going to be like the entire population over in Europe where those folks are 90 to 100, a lot of centurions live out in Europe because they treat their body well and they don't put a lot of preservatives in their body. So they're living to their 100 and they're just, they're happy and they're healthy. Wouldn't that be great? Because man, life is just so cool and there's just so much going on and it's so fun. Like, wouldn't you want to live the longest and the healthiest you possibly can? You need to think about that on a daily basis. You think you need to think about that more and more. Because you only get one life. You know, we, we take it for granted because I think we're all very materialistic. You know, we have a car and we're thinking to ourselves, well, when this breaks down, I'm just going to buy another one. No big deal. I have an iPhone next year. I'm just going to get a new one. No big deal if I break it. No big deal if I drop it. Your life, you only get one. Do not fuck it up. Treat yourself with kindness. Treat others with kindness. Take care of your body as if it's the only one you got. But guys, thanks so much for uh, for following me on the journey. 
And, um, you know, again, I'm on the road to recovery. Things are good. Um, I'm just, I'm super, I'm super tight on the side. Hard to kind of lift my arm up and down, but, uh, the wounds are healing. Everything's good. The tumor was benign. So, uh, we're good. It's all gravy, but I can't thank uh, you guys enough. If you follow me on social, uh, all the love and the DMS and the shout outs. Uh, so thank you. Thank you very much. It really means a lot. It got me through. Honestly, it did. So uh, I just want to say thanks again for that. Thanks for listening to the show. And if you haven't already, the the website, thebarodo.com, is updated. Lots of cool stuff on there. Um, I got a lot, of, a lot of fun stuff planned. So I'd love for you guys to participate in it. Subscribe to the show so you can keep updated on everything I'm doing. And before we get out of here, I do want to thank uh, our sponsors over at Perfect Keto. Perfect Keto, guys, for me personally, because I'm recovering, and it's taken me so long to kind of get back to my daily regimen of eating the right foods because I just don't have the energy anymore. Like I'm not, I'm not eating three, four meals a day. I'm eating one, two meals a day, but that's not enough food. That's not enough nutrients. It's not the amount of food that you're eating. It's the amount of nutrients that you're eating. And Perfect Keto has done a great job of laying out tons of great snacks, supplements. They have everything from collagen to MCT powder. All types of great stuff, including super fat, which you guys know I love. Uh, I've been working with them for a long time, but super fat has some really good healthy fats. Of course, tons of keto-friendly options, but Perfect Keto is the place to go. If you want to supplement or if you want just those little snacks that uh, crave the sweet tooth without the guilt, visit PerfectKeto.com. If you want a 20% discount, use the code THEBERARDO at checkout. But I don't think you're going to be disappointed. I think you're going to love everything there. Thank you for listening to the show. We will see you next week. And... uh, I will get back to normal soon enough. But thanks for tuning in, guys. Peace.